Chapter Nine of the Life of Saint Monica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle. The Life of Saint Monica by Francis Alice Forbes. Chapter Nine: How Augustine Came to Milan and How His Tempest-Tossed Soul Found Light and Peace at Last. Augustine had not been a year in Rome before he discovered that the ways of the Roman students were not quite so delightful as he had been led to believe. They were less insolent, that is true, than those of Carthage, and not so rough, but they had other defects which were quite as trying. They would, for instance, attend the classes of a certain professor until the time arrived to pay their fees, when, deserting in a body to another school, they would proceed to play the same trick there. It was certainly one way of getting an education for nothing, but it was hard on the teachers. It seemed scarcely the profession in which one could likely make a fortune, even if it were possible to earn one's daily bread. Augustine was discouraged and sick at heart. Everything seemed to be against him. There was no hope, no light anywhere. His life seemed doomed to be a failure, in spite of all his gifts. Then, quite suddenly, came the opening that he had longed for. Symmachus, the prefect of Rome, received a letter from Milan requesting him to name a professor of rhetoric for the vacant chair in the city. A competition was announced in which Symmachus himself, a well-known order, was to be judge. Augustine entered and won the prize. It was an excellent and honorable position. The professor was supported by the state. The emperor Valentinian held his court in the city, which gave it a certain position. Augustine was furnished with letters of introduction to Ambrose, the bishop, who had been brilliantly successful at the bar in his youth, and was probably an old friend of Symmachus. He was of a noble Roman family and famous alike for his great learning and peculiar charm of manner. He was famous also for his holiness of life, but this was of less interest to Augustine. It was Ambrose the orator with whom he desired to make acquaintance. No sooner had he arrived in Milan than he presented himself before the bishop, who received him with a cordial courtesy that attracted Augustine at once. The only way to judge of his eloquence was to attend the sermons at the cathedral. This Augustine began to do regularly. He found that Ambrose had not been overpraised. He listened to him at first with the pleasure it always gave him to hear an eloquent speaker. Then gradually, with a shock of surprise, he began to attend to what the bishop said, as well as to his manner of saying it. Ambrose was explaining the doctrines of the church. He spoke very clearly and simply to the intelligence no less than to the heart, for there were many catechumens in his congregation as well as pagans who were listening for the truth. The Manichaeans had deceived him then, thought Augustine. They had lied about the church's teaching, or they themselves had been ignorant of it, and he had let himself be deceived. This was altogether unlike what they had told him. It was noble and sublime. All that was great and good in him responded. Had he found the truth at last? In the meantime, Monica, determined to rejoin her son, arrived in Milan. The journey had been long and dangerous. They had been assailed by terrible storms. Even the sailors had lost courage. It was she who had comforted them in their fear. The storm will soon be over, she assured them. I know that we shall reach our journey's end in safety. She had a strong conviction that she would not die until her prayers had won Augustine back to God. The sailors took heart again at her words. Her calm eyes strengthened them. They felt that this gentle woman knew things that were hidden from them. Monica's first visit was to St. Ambrose. 
the two noble natures understood each other at once thank god for having given you such a mother said the bishop to augustine when he met him a few days later she is one in a thousand much had happened since mother and son had parted and much had to be told the first thing that monica heard was that augustine had left the manichaeans at this she rejoiced greatly she was convinced she told him that she would see him a catholic before she died thus she spoke to me says augustine but to thee o fountain of mercy she redoubled her prayers and her tears beseeching thee to hasten thine aid and dispel my darkness they went together now to the sermons and sat side by side in the church as in the days of augustine's childhood one by one he laid aside the false ideas of the truth that had been given to him by the manichaeans it was growing clearer to him every day true there was much that was above his understanding above the understanding of any human being as ambrose frankly acknowledged but not above their faith the manichaeans had sneered at faith as childish and credulous and yet thought augustine how many things he believed that he could have no possibility of proving he believed for instance that hannibal had crossed the alps although he had not been present at the time he believed that athens existed although he had never been there as of old a little group of friends had gathered round him at milan there was olypius the most beloved of his associates who had taken the place of the dear dead friend of his boyhood there was romanianus who was there on state business and licentius his son with trigetius both pupils of augustine's nebridius who had been with him in carthage and was like himself a native of roman africa and several new friends he had made in milan it was agreed amongst them that they should set apart a certain time each day to seek for the truth reading and discussing among themselves the scriptures were to form part of the reading great hope has dawned wrote augustine the catholic faith teaches not what we thought and vainly accused it of life is vain death uncertain if it steals upon us of a sudden in what state shall we depart hence and where shall we learn what here we have neglected let us not delay to seek after god and the blessed life there was in milan a holy priest called simplicianus greatly beloved by st ambrose for he had been his teacher and guide in early life to him augustine resolved to go he might be able to help him he told simplicianus amongst other things that he had been reading a book of philosophy translated by a roman called victorinus the book was good said simplicianus but the story of Victorinus's own life was better. He had known him well in Rome. Augustine was interested. He would like to hear the story, he said. Victorinus, said the old man, was a pagan and a worshipper of the heathen gods. He was a famous orator and taught rhetoric to some of the noblest citizens of Rome. He was learned in every science and was so celebrated for his virtue that a statue had been erected to him in the forum. In his old age, after earnest study, he became a Christian but remained a long time a catechumen through fears of what his friends would say at last taking courage he prepared himself for baptism and to punish himself for his human respect insisted on reading his profession of faith aloud before the whole congregation instead of making it as was usual in private this courageous action of an old man made augustine feel his own cowardice he believed now that the catholic church was the true church and yet he could not face the thought of baptism he would have to give up so much the Christian standard was high for a man who spent his life in self-indulgence. He could never attain to it. He took leave of Simplicianus sadly. The help which he needed was not to be found there. I went about my usual business, he says, while my anxiety increased as I daily sighed to thee. 
he frequented the church now even when there were no sermons for he began to feel the need of prayer one day when Olypius and he were alone together there came in a friend of theirs ponticianus a devout christian who held a post at the emperor's court finding the epistles of st paul upon the table he smiled at augustine saying that he was glad that he was reading from them for they were full of teaching he began to tell them about st anthony and of the many hermitages and monasteries in egypt and even here in his own country he spoke to them of the monastic life and its virtues and seeing their interest and astonishment went on to tell them an incident that had happened a short time before two young men of the imperial court friends of his own walking together in the country came to a cottage inhabited by some holy recluses a life of st anthony lay on the table one of them took it up and began to read his first feeling was one of astonishment his second of admiration how uncertain life is he said suddenly to his companion we are in the emperor's service i wish we were in god's i would rather be his friend than the emperor's he read on with sighs and groans at last he shut the book and arose my mind is made up he said i shall enter god's service here and now if you will not do so too at least do not try to hinder me you have chosen well said the other i am with you in this they never left the hermitage this story only increased augustine's misery he had had more graces than these young men and had wasted them he was a coward when ponticianus had gone away he left olypius and went out to the garden olypius followed and sat down beside him what are we about cried augustine hotly the unlearned take heaven by force and we with all our heartless learning wallow in the mire he sank his face in his hands and groaned the way lay clear before him he had found the eternal truth for which he had been seeking so long and he had not the courage to go further this and that he would have to do this and that he would have to give up he could not it was too hard and yet to stand with both feet on the rock of truth was it not worth all this and more so the battle raged good and evil struggled together in his soul it seemed to him then that he saw a long procession winding across the garden it passed him and faded in the distance first came boys and girls young and weak scarcely more than children they had mocked him gently we have fought and conquered they said even we and after them came a great multitude of men and women in the prime of life some strong and vigorous some feeble and sickly it seemed to augustine that they looked at him with eyes full of contempt we have lived purely they said we have striven and conquered they were followed by old men and women worn with age and suffering they looked at him reproachfully we have fought and conquered we have endured to the end augustine's self-control was leaving him even Olypius's presence was more than he could bear he leapt to his feet went to the other end of the garden and throwing himself down on the ground wept as if his heart would break his soul tossed this way and that in its anguish cried desperately to god for help suddenly on the stillness of the summer afternoon there broke the sound of a child's voice sweet insistent tole lege sang tole lege take and read augustine stood up there was no one there no human being was in sight tole lege tole lege rang the sweet voice again and again in his ear now on this side now on that was this the answer to his prayer he remembered how st anthony had opened the sacred scriptures on a like occasion and found the help that he required going back to elipius he took the sacred volume and opened it up put ye on the lord jesus christ and make not provision for the flesh and the concupiousness thereof he read 
light strength conviction flowed into his soul with god's help all things were possible he would give up all and follow him then having carefully marked the place he sat down beside olypius and told him of his resolution what about me asked olypius perhaps there is something there for me too let me see he took the book from augustine opened it at the place he had marked and read he that is weak in the faith take unto you that will do very well for me he said augustine's first thought was for monica he must go to her and at once they sat together hand in hand until the sun sank in a rose-colored glory and the cool shadows of the evening fell like a blessing on the earth there are some joys too deep for speech too holy to be touched by mortal hands End of chapter nine